everybody. It's time for another Ghost Cult Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Keefe. Today's podcast is an interview with Danny Filth of Cradle of Filth. Check it out. So the Ghost Cult Magazine podcast welcomes back in Mr. Danny Filth. How are you today, sir? I'm good, thank you very much. Yes, in Halloween spirit. Yes, as we should be. And uh, how fittingly perfect we talk about this wonderful remaster and remix of the landmark Cruelty and the Beast album for Halloween. Ironic, isn't it? <laughs> indeed, indeed. Uh, for, for those who haven't, you know, it's not quite out yet at the time of this interview. It will be by the time it airs. Uh, fantastic, fantastic job. I can't, it's probably the best remastered album I've ever heard in my life, judging from the source material. Yeah, I mean, we did spend a lot of time, I mean, almost probably... Um, the same amount of time that you'd spend on an album that was started from screening like a brand new album. Um, the trouble uh, around it was the fact that we had we had to get the original uh, tapes baked so to to to, uh, to get it back to the way they were. Uh, don't ask me how they do it, but they do it. They bake it in ovens. And then we transferred that to digital, obviously. Um, but the thing that took the most time was that we had to literally start from scratch with the entire thing and pull it, pull it all apart first. So that's that's basically what took the time. It's been totally, totally remixed, every single little part of it. But also what took the time was that not only did we want to make it sound like a modern record, but... We also didn't want to take away from the integrity of the original recording. We wanted to spell any of the atmosphere. Um, and we didn't want to upset anybody by, you know, making it too clinical. So it was a real labor of love. Fantastic. And it sounds like it. And when people hear it, especially longtime fans, I think they're going to flip their wigs, man. They're going to lose their minds because it sounds huge, which uh, I don't think you could have said before. Obviously, the songs are huge and the performances have always been legendary. But the sound of the album is it's almost like Queen does black metal. It's enormous sounding in terms of production. Yeah, I think it would, you know, obviously, you know, um, you know, much has been talked about the genre and production and certainly Cradle has had, you know, over the years, you know, changed and shifted the production style. But uh, I think the thing that we hear about a lot with remastered and remixed albums is the shape of the masters usually dictates how much you can actually do. So let me start by asking what was the shape of the masters when you found them? Yes, of well, course. I, I, I guess it hadn't been, hadn't been touched for a while, but they were still on tape. So the tape had to be revived by baking, and everything had to be trans uh, made to digital. Um, and then everything was fine. It was just that, obviously, we had to pick it all apart, put it all back together again, nicely cleaned and polished. But not too clean to polish. <laughs> that was the trick. Right, of course. And as you said, you don't want to take away from the original integrity of the music. Which I mean, I... there were a couple of things we had. I mean, a couple of edits we had to do as well. I mean, we were missing a little bit of the keyboards and desire and violent overture. I don't know what happened to them. Like, I don't know, but they just, like, melted. <laughs> but we had to get someone to replay those in. And there were a couple of guitar parts that when everything was separated, we went, oof. Yeah, somebody overlooked um, the fact that they could have been a little tighter. So there was a couple of tiny little edits, but overall, um, it's, it's 
exactly what you heard from the original record, but you can just hear more of it now. If you hear any little parts, you go, oh, or guitar part, you go, well, because I'm a guitar, I'm a current guitarist. I've been playing some of the songs slightly wrong because I've been listening, you know, to the original album. And when we cleaned it up and uh, polished it up, they were able to go, oh, I didn't realise that part was exactly like that. Wow. So, um, yeah, there you have it. Nice. Uh, you know, it's interesting in general, like, you know, so much work went into this and then, you know, we're not even talking about the packaging and the limited edition, everything, but you know, it's interesting. I think this kind of bucks a trend where a lot of bands are going in and sort of re-recording their classics with the current band. And, you know, I love the current version of the band, but obviously this is a classic and it's really fortunate that you were able to kind of allow yourself in the middle of a world tour and everything else you have going on for, you know, the band to do this is pretty amazing. Well, originally it was due to come out last year, which marked the 20th anniversary. But unfortunately, we were plagued by uh, a couple of members from the band who have been steadfast, annoyingly steadfast about, no, we don't want it released. Um, they had a list of demands that were all met by Sony. Basically, it went on for about a year. I mean, I did the majority of the press this time last year. Um, and subsequently, it got to the point where the demands are getting so silly and Sony had tried so hard. I literally explored every avenue in getting the album past them. They originally said, well, look, this, this, this literally denotes legalities now. This is silly. We're just going to go ahead with it. Um, and I think their legal, well, obviously their legal department um, looked into it. But yeah, that's just the whole reason it was held up. I mean, we were playing Court in the Big Shows this year. I mean, literally, we just did the, the big Palladium show. Um, we did, uh, and prior to that was Australia and New Zealand, and they were, and then Summer Breeze before, that was also a quality show. Um, and obviously to us, that would have been better served backed up by the album. That was the entire plan. You know, it's not quite, it had quite the same ring when you say it's the 21st anniversary as opposed to the 20th. So that was the original intent. And, I mean, people have said, are you going to do it the same committee and damnation day? And I'm probably not, no. I mean, we didn't do it for Dusk, we didn't do it for Vampire or Principle. Um, we did it for Cruelty because we felt, well, the 20th anniversary had come out. We were planning these shows regardless. And it, I think it's the album that suffers the most for the potential it could have reached. And that was all based on having a bit of shitty drums around. And if you got those, it's like a rickety road bridge. You can't necessarily... Without <laughs> sounding too weird, you know, drag big things across it without it breaking. So, um, yeah, once the drums were... Um, brought back to life given the proper sound um, then everything else sounded great I mean you can't have a really heavy bass sound which is the basis for really great guitar sounds if the thing that's supporting it is so tiny that it just you know everything is just going to break so that was the reasoning behind it anyway there was a lot of things that came together to make that happen and obviously it was um heartbreaking for a little while when we all the assets were in place all the press was done the artwork spent all that time in the studio and it was just being held up by people being 
half the adamant. I hear you. Don't get me wrong, the, 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 the other half of the band, the other three members, absolutely no problem with it at all. They were, in fact, they were more than delighted that it was getting a second airing. And this is why we have a polite monarchy and not a democracy. Um, <laughs> when it's your band. Um, interestingly to me, were, were there any of your personal performances, lyrics or vocals on the album that you obviously now had to hear over and over again for the first time, likely in many years that, uh, you know, you surprised you or, you know, otherwise? Well, the whole, well, the whole thing, when it came to... Um, actually going out on the road, I was of that mind, uh, oof, 20 years ago, this was a hard album to sing, and I'm 20 years older, so I was kind of fearing it, but it, it, came, it came into place, and I think it's some of my vocals that are well to good, really, because it's kind of opened up a channel in my voice that maybe it's long forgotten just because of technique. So, um, yeah, that was a little worrisome, because obviously the original album was just it was, it was intense. Um, but yeah, I mean, since the breakdown of the vocals, I was, yeah, I was like, this is cool, actually, you know? Listen to, it's like having a time capsule and opening it and just going, wow, I'd forgotten about that. It's, it's got to be a pretty gratifying feeling, actually. It is, yeah. And I, that's why I think it's um, it stands out on its own and shouldn't be replicated for, because every... Every year from now on in, I mean, we were, we were pretty consistent as a band that we've been doing an album possibly every two years, two and a half years. So every two to two and a half years marks another anniversary for us. And I think that would get a little ridiculous if every time we started doing, um, I mean, this is, this is a one-off. But don't, don't quote me on that. <laughs> Not entirely, just in case. But um, at the present, and I know it's going off subject somewhat, but we're... Uh, we just finished, like I say, we've got one more show to do this, this, this is our last show of the year coming up. Um, we, we did have more, we should have been in China now, but we were, uh, when the shows were booked, uh, Trump was busy throwing his uh, proverbial way around uh, about trade disputes and what have you, and so um, uh, we were warned not to go. And also because of the, the problem between China, Beijing and uh, uh, Hong Kong. So um, subsequently we had a drop our Tel Aviv show as well because it was part and parcel of the same thing. But anyway, now we've just got one more show left to do. And then, I mean, we'll, we're, a, we're a stage where we've got a bunch of material. I mean, like a, a huge amount of material, not just a bunch, a literal vineyard uh, that we've got to pick through. And uh, yeah, we're, we're due to be in the studio uh, about mid-February to record a new album. Lovely. That's, I'm really stoked for that. I can't wait. The last few have been stellar and uh, uh, I don't know. I have a gut feeling 15, 20 years from now we might be talking about some of these more recent albums hitting an anniversary tour or something because I think they've been excellent. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, possibly, yeah. Uh, so, uh, obviously, plans to go in the studio. Uh, any chance that we might get a cruelty show or tour here in America, or is that off the table? Uh, it's absolutely not on the uh, off the table. On the table, sorry. <laughs> so far, um, it's not off the table at all. It's just that um, we weren't contracted. I mean, we've we've got 
an American tour in the pipeline for the new album already. I can't tell you where or when. It's all very um, embryonic at the moment, but we're thinking very much far ahead. Uh, we have a new label, a new management, sorry, label, um, which basically uh, Des and Anastasia Fassara. Um, yeah, Des is obviously from uh, Devil Driver, the Oracle Management, and they their support for us has been like overwhelming and so we've got plans coming out of our ears at the moment and it really marks a very um, creative uh, period for the band very very lucrative creative um, exciting you know there's so many avenues to explore now um, but yeah I mean it, it, it's a case of whether I mean, we'd love to do a Palladium show. Like, I mean, we bought everything we had. Part, like, all the fire. With snow, like, we literally turned the place into a snow globe. It was in a huge, huge, auspicious uh, venue. One of the most famous theatres in London. Um, which obviously didn't come cheap, but it looked fantastic. Um, and we did two sets. We had performers and dancers and... It was a real, real event, and we'd love to do the same in, in, in the States. If, if, you know, if someone came forward and said, I'd love to do this, but bring it to, I don't know, New York or LA, Chicago, etc., etc. We'd love so, to no, see it. Long story short, it's not off the table. <laughs> nice. We'd love to see it. Uh, I was going to say, I think it's interesting that, you know, however many decades on, we finally have the stage show that lives up to the, the music and the album. You always have had a great stage show, but I love the idea of a ginormous production for the band. It's always been sort of... Well, we, we, we're going down that route now. Next year, we've got... Um, because of that... Because it was also, to be honest, like a, a platform for people to see and then, sell, you know, we, we can sell that, theoretically sell it, um, to promoters and say, well, this is this is how we want to do, you know, I don't know, where the big festival, I won't, won't name them because we're giving the game away, but this festival next year, this is what we can bring into it. And so it will look, it looks very promising that this, this type of production, which we not only did at the uh, Palladium, but we, we, we did it across some chosen festivals throughout the year, including Bloodstock. Obviously, we couldn't make it snow outside. We did try. A few spells, etc. Um, but yeah, you'll be seeing more of this, regardless of uh, it being a cool scene the beach show or not. Wonderful, wonderful news. As we uh, wind this down, let me just uh, go back to the era of making Cruelty. And obviously, there was a lot of stuff surrounding the band at the time. Um, fortunately, none of it got in the way of the music or the creative process. But obviously, there was a lot of uh, extracurricular stuff. The arrest at the Vatican, notably, did listening to and working on this remaster of the album sort of bring up any other memories of Crazy Time? you care to share or can't share <laughs> well there was a lot it's a very it was a turbulent but fun sort. you know what I never regret anything this is much too short to be living on regret um, we did a lot of bad and, you know our, our reputation precedes us a lot from that time period even now um, but one, one thing I can say about this there's one memory of the studio which 
I mean, there's lots of them, but literally right at the end of the whole um, time in the studio, we've been renting a house in, in, a, in a borough of Birmingham where we, where we recorded at Deaf International Studio. It's not even there now, it's been torn down for some reason. Um, but it was UB40, the, the reggae pop band's studio. It was very, very swish, very fancy, had an incredible sound there. Um, but anyway, yeah, we'd left our um, keyboardist, uh, Lecter, he, he, he was back at the house. I think he'd been celebrating like the end of the album like two days before he was doing his trial. We'd get back to our abode and there's not a scrap of furniture. All the furniture had been piled into like a bonfire in the middle of the room, of the front room. And uh, he was, you know, contemplating setting it on fire. <laughs> Uh, this is one of the mad cat things that happened during that studio. We were a bit, a bit crazy, but that's what happens when you work on an album so furiously. Um, and it was a difficult album, really, to, 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 to do. So we all went a little bit crazy in the pursuit of representing Elizabeth Bathory on, 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 uh, on an album. Amazing. And that was another thing. I mean, that was another thing. The whole, that took, it was our first concept record as well. There were a lot of expectations uh, around the band because this was the second album for Music for Nations. That's going to embrace. It's been a, a, a worldwide success. And so we had, a, we had the weight, the proverbial weight of the world on our shoulders. Um, at some point or another, you know, it's hard to see the work of the trees because it's like, have we bitten off more than we can chew with uh, this whole idea of an uh, overarching concept? Um, but yeah, in the end, it, yeah, I think perseverance saw us good. Awesome. Thanks so much for sharing that. Cruelty and the Beast Remistressed Edition by Cradle of Filth comes out, ironically, on All Saints Day via Music for Nations, the classic label. Danny Filth, thank you so much for spending some time with us. Thanks so much for this record. This remaster is a gift, man. Thank you so much. And uh, I sincerely wish you a wonderful Halloween. Thank you very much. Likewise. Talk soon. Take care. Bye. Cheers. Thanks for checking out today's podcast. Follow, like, and subscribe wherever you hear these podcasts. Also check out Ghost Cult Magazine on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. And finally check us out at ghostcultmag.com. We're out. Peace.